Welcome to St. Corey Christian Center and our most recent podcast. God bless you and have a wonderful day. So I want to talk to you about amazing love. Because love can be amazing. To quote an old song that my parents know, they said, love is a many splendored thing. Why do I fall in love? Because <laughs> some of you young ones don't bother. Just go- talk to me later. We can Google it. <laughs> but love is both simple and profound. I am still learning about love. My wife knows everything about love because she has to live with me. I guess you know who's clapping. (laughs) So before I get to that, I need to actually remind you of something. I was intrigued by this little piece of armor last week. And because I lost some weight, I can actually put it on. Anybody who's lost weight, say amen. Let's get it around my shoulders. I was actually going to drive here to church like this in the morning, but I probably would have got pulled over for sure. I want to remind you about something today. That we're to take up the armor of God. Do you remember somebody else talking about that? And last week we understood that the breastplate of righteousness covers your chest area. And what's important about this, in the natural, and I'm sure many of you are smart and you know this already, that this is what protects all these vital organs in the front. And if you've done every, any other study, especially you understand that in the context of where the scripture of the armor of God was written, you need to understand that they had the Roman legions and the Roman guards as a template. So this little thing here is made for a kid. But I want you to understand what it covers. Because the breastplate covers your intestines, your stomach, your lungs, your ribs, and especially your what? Your heart. That's why this is important. The righteousness of God dwells in you because of his son, Jesus Christ. It's not yours. You don't become a Christian because you walk into a church any more than you standing in the middle of a garage makes you a car. What saves us is the blood of Jesus Christ. What saves you is not a denomination. What saves you, listen, my grandfather came to the Lord in a miraculous way. My father came to the Lord in a miraculous way. There was a track floating around in 1974 in a parking lot. And it says, do you know where you're going when you pass away? And my dad was like, I don't know. So he came home and asked my mom, who really wasn't serving the Lord at the time. And then what happened was, are there any church meetings on a Tuesday night at that time in New York? And they went and my dad got saved. According to the story, if I get it right. (laughs) It's a long time ago, right? But God is in the saving business. And one of the wonderful things that I like to do, I like to watch YouTube, and there's some channels that I subscribe to. One of them is called Good Restorer. And what this person does is he takes uh, old scrap heaps that were nothing, that were useless, and he takes them back and he restores them. Takes these old Tonka trucks, 
takes these old cars, takes these old little things, and restores and paints them and makes them like new. That's what God's business is. So I don't want to assume anything here this morning, but I want to let you know that there is a fight going on for your heart and soul right now. And there is something that else that you need to know this morning is that God is after your heart. But on the reverse side of it is that the enemy is after your heart. Does that sound okay? And this is why we're in a battle. And this is why we're in a struggle. And this is why this is a war. And this is why, you know, you pray for your kids. You pray for your grandkids. You're praying for your, you know what? You need, we need to spend some time not only praying for our kids. We need to be praying for our neighbors. Who is your neighbor? Not just the one seated next to you. It's the one that lives in your town, the one that lives in your nation, the one that lives in your province. They are your neighbors. And so there is a battle for the heart. So we know that the devil, that Satan, the adversary, the slanderer, the accuser is after your heart and after your soul. You are the object of his destruction. But I want to tell you the other side of the good news today is that you are also the object of God's affection. That you are the object of God's redemption and salvation. And God is after your heart. And we know that figuratively or poetically speaking, obviously we know in the physical that our hearts are so important. Our heart pumps the blood. Our heart gets all that new everything out to the heart. Once we don't have it, what happens? When it's not well. My father had open heart surgery in 2019 before everything closed down. I thank God I was able to go see him before everything went like that. He had to get surgery and get that fixed up. But how many of you know when the heart not's working right, a lot of things aren't working right? So there's a battle for your heart this morning. That's why we need to take on that breastplate of righteousness. And speaking on matters of the heart, Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. That's a, man, that's a great word, flow. We, we, were supposed to, you know, we, we were supposed to be flowing like a river. We're not supposed to be stagnant, right? There's two things that can flow, good water or bad water. It's up to you where you put the cistern of your heart. It's up to me as well. So above all else, guard your heart. And as I said before, there is a battle for your heart. Poetically speaking, our hearts are the center of everything. And we're speaking in spiritual and poetical terms and metaphorical, Right? It's that center, it's that place, just a little bit off, to, off center to the left, to the right there in your heart. Let me read to you our main text here this morning. In, in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, I could have included 18 as well. I love John three sixteen. How many of you probably know it by heart? But I think that we need to quote 17 too a lot. Often we... We get to quote 17, but let's, let's just look, let's read the verse. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish or be destroyed, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be what? Oh, amazing love. Amazing love. How could it be that you, my God, would die? 
amazing love. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. I want to do two things. Because I never want to assume. How many of you have ever assumed and you've assumed wrong? You know the breakdown of the word, but I'll spare you the breakdown. They're in my notes if you want to see. One of the things I don't want to assume in the small time that I have with you is to assume that many of you know what the scripture says about everything, because I'm still learning about that. So there are many of you here this morning that have been walking with the Lord and, 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 and having a journey with the Lord. I want to use this message this morning to encourage you and to remind you that we need to be sharing the story of amazing love. The second thing I want to do is understand that not every one of you have come to the Lord or given your heart to the Lord. And so I don't want to just kind of gloss that over, kind of forget about you. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I want to let you know that I've got good news for you today. And what I want to let you know is that this is wonderful, wonderful, truthful account of amazing love. Amazing love that, that, that sees a man on the cross. Amazing love of a person that gives everything in their life before you even thought of what they did for you. That's why it's amazing. So I want to talk to you about that. Those are the two things that I'd like to do here this morning. And so we read those scriptures there. And in order to understand verses 16 and 17, if you want to throw an 18, that's fine too. But in order to understand those two verses, we need to fully understand the context of what happened before. So I'm going to go backwards to the beginning of John chapter 3. If you have that on your apps, on your phones, or wherever you're at. And for those of you that are watching online at home, grab your Bibles. Hopefully you have them. And so when you see the beginning of chapter 3 unfold, there was a man of the Pharisees, the scripture says, his name was Nicodemus. And he was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So this man had clout. You ever met anybody with clout? You start to stand walking by them and you're like, ooh. This is pretty cool, right? And so he comes to Jesus by night, which I find interesting. I wonder if he was trying to hide a little bit. Anybody ever try to do anything on the sneak? I bet you if I asked you, a lot of you would be raising your hands for that midnight snack on the sneak. So he came under cover of night, and he comes to Jesus. And he says this, and I like this. He goes, Rabbi, you need to know something. He's taking a chance by even saying that out loud as part of the Jewish council. Because Jesus was not very well received at this point in time. But what does he call him? If you know the Hebrew rabbi or rabboni means teacher. He acknowledged him. When, when, you know, when you're a teacher, it's obvious that you have the skills to communicate and to teach and to, to encourage someone into knowledge and to understand things. My wife is a teacher. She'd tell you I still haven't learned anything. And so Nicodemus redresses Jesus as rabbi. He already is acknowledging him right from the first word. I don't know if he was trying to butter Jesus up or what. And he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. Look at how he acknowledges God. Now, the scripture says that we will do even greater things than he did. Why? Because he lives in us. People should be saying that about us. 
People should be going, wow, you know, I know that God's working on something, something about you. And so here's Nicodemus saying this. He says that the council saw what he was doing, all these miracles that were happening, things that were happening. But I love this about Jesus. Here in verse 3, in reply, Jesus says this. Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So you notice that when Nicodemus came by and said, we there, he said, we see, we saw what you're doing. They only saw this much. Jesus turns around, and I love this about him. He says, I declare to you. He says, oh, this is what we saw. And Jesus says, yeah. He says, basically, instead of looking at the miracles, look to the miracle worker. See, do, have you ever seen when you're reading things what Jesus says, Jesus brings it right down and boils it down to the most important matter? But sometimes we miss it. We miss the forest for the trees, as the old saying goes, Right? Because a lot of times we're not seeing it the way Jesus is. This is why the word, we see in the word and we're encouraged to continue to read the word. You don't get to know Jesus just because someone's preaching to you about it. You don't get to know Jesus because grandma and grandpa came to church. You get to know Jesus when you spend time with him. And so when we want to learn, when we want to gather in the presence of God, we need to get into that place where we're able to receive from him and understand him. I think it's good for you to practice and pray this way. Say, Rabbi, teacher, and I want you to know something. Teachers give quizzes and they give tests. How many of you like those? <laughs> How many of you ever cheated on those? I'm not going to ask. I, I, yeah, once. I won't talk about that. What I want to do real quickly here this, this morning, I want to take uh, John chapter 316. And I'm going to break it down into four little parts. Okay? So let's look at chapter, uh, excuse me, verse 16. And so that first little phrase, it said, For God so loved the world. Let's stop right there. For God so loved the world. First point, God loved. Oh, it's right there. I like that. Thank you, Adam. Everybody give Adam a hand. He helped me with this. Right? You did the little hard thing. I harked you back. For God so loved the world. God loved. Again, if you're taking notes, I'm not saying that this is the end all be all when you're trying to reach your friend. But I'm encouraging those of you that have walked with the Lord this morning. I want you to take the template of this. You can walk somebody through right to the road of salvation. So I want to simplify it, not because I think you can't do it on your own. You, you probably came up with these points on your own, too. But I want to let you know that God loved. It says, for God so loved the world. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of songs that are written about love. Songs like, I want to know what love is. I'm an 80s child. Don't judge me. <laughs> I love music. And there's just one song, and I've actually read about it, and in, 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 uh, I forget the group. It says, I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. Foreigner, right? I want to feel what love, Lou Graham, I want to feel what love is. Now, I don't know if I get my stories right. You, if you want to check, fact check me, that's fine. If I remember correctly, the lead singer of Foreigner, he can't sing uh, anymore right now, is 
He had some throat issues. But one of the big things is, is that he came to faith, from what I understand. And in that time when he was writing that song, he was at, there's so many songs about love. But what people say is love is very different from what the scripture says and what real love is. So what happens is when this guy in the secular realm is writing a song about, I want to know what love is. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that this is the information is right. If he's saying that, people are searching. There have been songs that have been written outside of the church where people are looking and searching for love. There's that other song, looking for love in all the wrong places. Does anybody remember that one? Sorry about that. The problem is, is that what people define as love, people go searching for is not the very thing that they need or want. And people spend a lifetime looking for that kind of love. But it says here that God so loved the world. And so while love, we know it's simple, it's complex. I think a lot of times we use the word love too flippantly like we use the word hate. It's too easy. And I'm not criticizing you because I've done this myself. I'll say, oh, I just love that. Why? Because it has 700 calories and loads of sugar. Somebody say amen. Right? We get like that. Oh, I just love her. Oh, I hear the girls talking. I love your dress. Then I see them turn around and go, oh my gosh, I saw that at Walmart. Walmart's cool, I guess. But you see what I'm saying? We, put, we ascribe love to things, and I get that. I don't think the English language does enough justice to the word love. I love you because of the status you could bring. I love you. Listen, the prodigal son had a lot of love when he had all the money and they were able to party. But when it ran out, the love ran out too. So people will love you for what you have, what you look like. Some of you on Facebook are in love with the likes. You need to get out of that and let God like you. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my God, would die for me? In the context of this verse, the word love is agape. It is an unconditional love. It wasn't a love that waited for you to clean yourself up. It wasn't a love for you to wait for you to understand what it was. It's a love that will meet you where you are and will take you where you need to be. And that's the joy and the amazing part of it. That someone has loved you before you even knew them. This is why it's amazing love. This is why we sing amazing grace. That you, my God, would die for me. So again, I tell you, I don't want to assume that all of you have come to faith. But I also know that some of you have, and I want to serve, have this serve as a reminder that as you begin to share, we need to spread the love. You know that song, I think it's Burt Bacharach, it says, what the world needs now is what? Yeah, ooh. Casey Kasem, top 40. <laughs> right? But these are singing songs. But look at what, they're right. What the world, I remember my dad used to sing that. But the world, these, I said, Dad, stop. Right? But it's true. What we need now is love. We've been through so much in this past little bit. And we need God's love. And for God so loved the world. When he talks about that, he so loved the world. That means every single one of us. Man, woman, boy, girl, all of us, rich or poor, 
That's what he's about. What is love? Except that someone would die for you. And I want to encourage you this morning that someone loves you, that you may feel unloved. But again, I'm going to repeat that because I like that statement. God's love meets you where you are, and it will take you where you need to be. Don't forget that Ephesians 1 verse 5, it says, as God predestined or destined us to be his adopted children through who? Jesus Christ because of his love. Because of his love. Remember, we need to share this. And for those of you, I want to let you know this morning, God's not waiting for you to clean up your act. He loves you now. He loves you now. Second point, quickly. We go to that second little phrase, the next little statement there in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So my second point is this. We know that first point, God loved. So then God gave. I have two sons. Often, as a father, I think about a lot of times that I wouldn't want them to go off to war because I wouldn't want to give them up to that. Does that make sense to you? And I'm not leaving the ladies out because I, I know you serve too. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, you know, I'm a little biased because I got two boys. But I got to be honest with you. When I was younger, I thought, yeah, I'm going to get, you'll know, have three, four, five boys and become soldiers. Woohoo. And I'm thinking, no. Now, if they wanted to, I'd support them. I'd have a really hard time in letting them go to do that. You, is that okay to say? I'm not saying that I'm not, I'm not trying to be unpatriotic. I'm not trying to say anything about that. All I'm saying is, is that it's different. When I was 15 or 16 and, oh, yeah, I give up, yeah, yeah. Now I'm like, no. Who's going to do my lawn? <laughs> I went there, didn't I? They're more than that. I love them. I love my sons. I die for them. And here is this father that says, here's my son. Oh, man, I don't know if you'll get goosebumps now. Amazing love. So God loved, God gave. How many of you love it when someone gives you a gift? Anybody? Do you go, oh, no, 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 take it back. I have never seen a kid, a child, or any adult ever turn away a gift at Christmas. I've never seen anybody or anybody else give, turn away a gift on their birthday or on Valentine's Day, especially when it's a free gift. You didn't have to pay for it. It was what you wanted. And here's this precious gift of salvation that was nailed to the cross for you and I, an innocent man who bore the sins of the world, and people look upon us and say, what a nice man, and walk away. God loved and God gave. I really like the gifts that people have given us in my family. They put it inside the mailbox, and they put a little card to a Montana Steakhouse, and the card says, I know it's not the birthday. I know it's not Christmas. I just want to tell you that I love you. Oh, I love that. I'm going to give you my address so you can give me a card. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> Montana's. I like steak. And, and I, the boys like Taco Bell, so yeah. Right? So the thing, well, they're Hispanic, right? So what are the things 
is that we do not take, we don't push that gift back. And we see people pushing back, yeah, that's nice. But what a wonderful gift that God has given us through his son. And I want to tell you something. It's not just enough, as we made it the point about God, it's not enough to say I love you. I can tell, you can tell your spouse, you can tell whoever it is in your life that you love them. But how many of you know you have to back up your words with some action? So when God created this world so that he could have communion with his creation, and that was breach, he said, I've got to make that bridge. Here's my son, Jesus. Here's the action that I'm going to show you so that you can be saved and redeemed, and I gotcha. So God loved and God gave. He backed it up with that action. John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friend. That God would even consider you his friend before you even, even, before you even had God on the map. That's why it's amazing. That love was already built and it was already made available to you before you even considered it. We serve a wonderful and an organized God. That I know that the world, you know, we see nature is kind of wild, but even in its wildness, it's in order. Do you see what I mean? Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free, what, gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You do not get saved by coming to church. You do not get saved by going to a Bible study, although it can happen as a result of that. Jesus Christ is what saves you. I'm going to keep repeating that because I think a lot of times we get our theology all twisted up and we think that if we do these things, you know, people are running around to see the next sign. And I'm, listen, I'm, I believe in miracles. Right? So what you need to understand this morning is that instead of looking to the eyes of the miracle worker, I mean, keep it the eyes of the miracles or keep it the eyes of the news or keep it the eyes of this or that. Keep your eyes on the one who is the author of the miracles. This is what I want to let you know. Listen, I'm not speaking to you like I got it all under control. What, you don't think that this past two years that we've all been going through this, that I haven't had a bit of thing where I'm doing some head scratching, our mental health has suffered, a lot of things have suffered, but God is still here. For God so loved, he gave, and he's given you his love, he's given you his strength. He has given you that wonderful and precious gift of salvation. And so as we move on into the chapter, into the verse there, verse 16, so God loved, God gave. And then this next phrase, it says that whoever, or like the King James says, whosoever, you just want to put a little bit of an extra syllable in there, that whoever believes shall not perish. So my third point quickly out of verse 16 is that when God loved, God gave, we need to believe. See, now, now the ball is on our court, Right? Ball is in our court. I don't know how many of you remember this old show. I, I know that there's a museum over in PEI, Ripley's Believe It or Not. Do you remember that show? And I think it was that actor, uh, when I used to watch the show, uh, Jack Palance was his name. He's a big tall man. He goes, this is Ripley's Believe It or Not. This guy's getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to say it like that. I could have done it for half that much. I used to watch the show because they had all these. And if you've ever been to the museum, they have these little things and, and all kinds of oddities and, 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 right? and stuff like that. And they would present these stories. And after that, they'd say, they'd say, believe it or not. And so what I'm here to say this morning is more than 2,000 years ago, 
A God who loved you before you knew him sent his son to die for you. You could either believe it or not. I'm not going to force you to do that. It's like what, what Jody said before, right? He doesn't want to say something so that you do it. It needs to come from the spirit. You need to be doing something about it. We want to see that. There's never a greater joy than when I hear somebody say, I really felt the Lord drawing me to call me. I felt his call. I felt I heard his voice. I just knew that for some reason I couldn't keep dodging God anymore. That's what I love to hear. I don't like to hear, oh, we love your program, or we love the singing. We really want to hear that God's spirit just drew you here. Because a lot of you could speak the word too. It ain't just the pastors or people that know. All of us. Saint Francis, people say St. Francis of Assisi said this statement, but it's actually not accredited to him. But I don't really agree with the statement, if you, if you hear it. It says, at all times preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. I don't agree with that. Because we're supposed to use our words. Right? You need to be able not only to live a life. It doesn't get you off the hook. Some of you say, oh, I don't want to. Some of you that are walking with the Lord. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm scared of speaking. Listen, if someone wants to scared to get those nine-inch nails in his hand, you need to speak. I'm not saying that you have to be the world's greatest speaker, but imagine you're sitting there at work or at school or at the lunch table, and somebody asks you about how the difference of what you are, you tell them about Jesus. You tell them God loved, God gave, and we believe. That's all you have to do. So we need words with our witness. You need peanut butter with, or bananas, depending on some of you. Right? You need one and the other. You can't just say, oh, I want to speak. And I'm not, listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to sound like a jerk to you. I want you to understand that there's going to come a time and you're going to have to give your testimony. You're going to have to share with somebody what made the difference or actually who made the difference in your life. So God gave God loved, God gave, and we believe you have a choice this morning. That's why I'm telling you, a reminder to those of you that, that want to be winning souls, use this. For those of you that don't know the Lord this morning, if you don't know him, I'm telling you, the choice is yours today. How much God loves you that he would send his only son. Romans 10, 17, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You're thinking, how do I believe that? Do you know the scriptures tell us that God gives us a measure of faith? Everybody has it. Again, the choice is yours. Here in the next part of verse 16, it says, so, right? So for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that who, or whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Eternal life. God loves. God gave. We believe, and then we receive. <laughs> Isn't that great? There's nothing in this verse that says you must do all these works before you get there. There's nothing. I don't fish a lot. The only time I went fishing, I went fishing off a of Brooklyn Pier, and I caught a horseshoe crab, and I was done. That thing almost killed me. I said, I'm done with fishing. But one of the things I realized is that when you get a fish out of water, it's not ready to be in the box and all season and get right to the table. You got to work with it. It doesn't come ready made. There's something incredible about the fact that when you meet Jesus, there's an instant thing that happens. But we stay there. 
What God wants us to do is that wonderful instant conversion. That's wonderful, but we don't need to stay there. Salvation is not just about this instant conversion. It's about ongoing transformation. And some of you don't like parts of the transformation, including me, because it's, it's, you know what God's doing? He's taking us and he's sanding the rough edges off sometimes. And it ain't fun. I'm not a woodworker, but I've seen some people make some things out of wood, and they've had to chop the wood, they've had to do all this stuff, but when it was done, it was beautiful. Do you see what I'm getting at? And so for those of you who don't understand that imagery here this morning, this is God's not done with you yet. And I want to tell you this morning, if you don't know Jesus, you don't have to wait to be perfect, because guess what? I'm close to perfect, and if that's the case, we're all in trouble. Is that all right? You see? Nobody's perfect. Nobody's got it together. Nobody goes fishing. The, the disciples didn't go, Peter and, and those guys didn't go fishing and find a box of ready fresh fish to go. They had to clean up that fish. They had to get it to where it was suitable to be served. And that doesn't happen like that. There's a process that goes with it. So, yes, there's a wonderful instant thing that happens when you give your heart to Jesus. There's a wonderful thing that happens. I heard Jody, I heard Jody saying about that person that instantly was delivered. There's God does some things instantly, and then there's other things that he does over time. God in his time. His timing is good, and his timing is perfect. And so one of these verses that I love, and again, I told you I love how John 3.16 and John 17, and so I just want to read that to follow up what I've said today. Lord, I'll read it. I'll tell you, it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, right? I love that verse. You know why? Because a lot of people have taken Christendom or have taken, and, uh, and God especially, they say God is only in the business of condemning. But that, that's the view they have. Come on. Is that true? We let everybody know what we're against, but we never let them know what God is for. Maybe not you. <laughs> There's a challenge, right? See, the scriptures tell us we were condemned already. So God said, okay, here's my son. Simple as that. Here's my son. Here's my son. He's going to give his life for you. He will take the iniquities and the sins of the world on him and bear them. He's going to redeem you. He's going to restore you. He's going to take you out that heap of life, that the ashes of your life. He's going to take you back from where you were. And I love say, I got to say this statement again. I don't know why. But God's love will bring you to where you need to be. And he will meet you where you're at right now. Some of you are going through so much right now. He's meeting you where you are right now. Real love doesn't say, pat you on the back. Oh, I hope you do okay. I hope everything's all right. Real love goes down in the pit with you. And will raise you back up again. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you had these amazing transformation times. Some of you had this amazing thing when you came to Jesus. And in that moment, God picked you up out of there. And he said, come on, we're going to do a walk. See, knowing Christ is not some kind of overnight thing that you kind of skip along and it's all done. It's a journey. It's a journey. And every step of the way, God is with us. And i got to be honest with you, sometimes even for my own life, I kind of forget that he's there. 
Condemnation, if you look at it in building terms, when a building is condemned, it is ready to be what? Torn down. Bye-bye. But with salvation, Jesus says, no, 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 wait a minute. I can save that building. Don't you like that? I'm going to go in and I'm going to save that building. Oh, that's a heritage building. We've got to save. You know how these people get together and they want to save this building? It has a great historical purpose. Your heart has, God loves you. Your heart, your soul, your life is important to him. Else why would we have 66 books in a Bible that all center around something that happened in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, at a first prophecy, and he said that, that someone was coming and he was going to crush the head as a serpent, but he would bruise his heel. They were already talking about the crucifixion and God's plan already back then. God knew what you needed before we knew what we needed. And so I'm encouraged here this morning to let you know that God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but that the world through him might be what? Saved. There's a song by Andre Crouch. Does anybody know Andre Crouch? And I remember as a little boy, I'd be playing with my cars and probably annoying my sister. Mom went, we, you remember those big cabinets with the speakers in it? You used to put the, man, I'm aging myself now, aren't I? All of you are giggling, but you need to giggle with me. The eight tracks. It's kind of a bigger MP3 player or like a big, never mind. <laughs> and she would put this album on. And she didn't know her mom would be either cooking or doing something. And this song always got me, and I'd stop playing. And it says, I don't know why Jesus loved me. I don't know why he cared. I could hear it in my mind right now like I was there. I don't know why he sacrificed his life. Oh, but I'm glad. I'm glad he did. I don't know if you know that song. But it's a beautiful song. And when I was a little boy, I don't know what that meant. I knew my heart was racing. And I didn't know why. I was just playing with cars. I was bothering my sister. But every time that part of that record came on, and I would hear that. And my, my, thank God, Mom would play it all the time. I don't know why Jesus loved me. I don't know why he cared, right? I don't. There's days I'm looking at him going, I don't know why you love me. You know? I don't know why you care, but he loves us. He loves us. This is amazing love. That he loves you. That he loves you and will always love you. So I want to encourage you here this morning, those of you who have been walking with the Lord. Take this. You don't have to do it the way I said it. Maybe you have a scripture that you'd like to use. All I'm saying is that God... Loved, God gave, we believe, and we receive, right? And so I just want everybody in an attitude of prayer right now. Again, I told you in the beginning, I don't want to assume anything. I don't know every single one of you. I might know some of you. I don't know everything. And some days I don't know anything. But I serve a God who knows all things. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what it is that you're going through. But I want this this morning to be an encouragement. So this is what I want to do with this time. And 
you know, Pastor Jody let you know that he's going to have to be leaving a little bit early. Thank God. It wasn't because he thought my preaching was bad. Maybe it is. I'm always, I'm always, you know, we always need to improve and always do better. But I want to do two things. I told you before, I was speaking to those of you that know him. Maybe you need to say, God, you know what? I need to be about this. I need to be about sharing about this amazing love. But even more importantly, the other part I said is maybe you have not given your heart to the Lord. And that's actually the first part that I want to really address right now. That maybe you have wondered about this whole Jesus thing and wondered, did he really die for me? Yes, he died for you. He loves you. And so maybe you say, Carlos, I'd like to give my heart to the Lord. You want to come up here and talk to us and hear as the music starts? You're more than welcome to. And maybe we can talk about that this morning. And for those of you that need to just recommit yourselves to making sure that you preach the good news of the gospel of this amazing love, how many of you know that we need to be letting them know now more than ever before? They need to know. They need to know. They really do. They do. Right? They need to know. Thanks for tuning into our podcast today. We pray that you've been equipped and encouraged. Continue to follow us on sccc.online and there will be resources and tools available to you. And reach out to us at any time if we can help. Have an amazing day.